Does it make sense to use gas to transition from coal to clean energy? And a Christian group, a Muslim group, and a Jewish group penned a statement to banks. What did it say? Welcome to the Climate Recap from the Beckosphere Climate Corner, your go-to place for international and U.S.-based climate news. I'm Becky Hogue, a science writer. Today is Wednesday, May 11th. Let's jump right into the news you need to start your day. Let's start with some climate events. As predicted, the extreme heat in Pakistan has resulted in record ice melt flowing into lakes, flooding local villages. Pakistan is at the hottest it's been since 1961. Over the past 20 days, the Shishpar Glacial Lake expanded by 40% until it finally breached its barriers. Over in the United States, Texas shattered its heat record for this time of year by reaching 112 degrees Fahrenheit this weekend. Similar heat records are being felt in other parts of the central U.S., further increasing wildfire risk. Colorado, New Mexico, Nebraska, Iowa, and Illinois reached the 90s last week. Now for some climate studies. The United Kingdom's national meteorology researchers say there's nearly a 50-50 chance we'll surpass 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels within the next five years. This rise will be temporary, but it could give us a look at what to expect as it becomes the average in the future, or the hopeful average, because it's still our best-case future scenario at this point. In 2015, we reached a 1 degree Celsius average, and as a result, the last five years were some of the hottest in history. Last year, the Met Office gave us a 40% chance of seeing 1.5 degrees Celsius in the next five years. Now there's a 48% likelihood. New research by Transition Zero calculated that switching straight from coal to renewable energy will save countries a lot of money compared to them using gas as a transition fuel. As we all know, gas prices are on the rise due to the war in Ukraine. This paired with the drastic decrease in cost of wind and solar energy, a 99% drop since 2010, means it makes more sense for countries to fully switch to clean energy rather than further their reliance on gas. And the best time to make the switch is now, as gas is now way more expensive than clean energy, when before the war, they were neck and neck. Meanwhile, a study by the Chinese government shows that sea level rise there has increased by 3.3 inches, or 88 millimeters, in 2021, compared to the average levels from 1993 to 2011. The study was done specifically by the Marine Environmental Monitoring Center. For a while now, sea level rise has increased in China more than the global average. Remember that sea level doesn't rise at the same level everywhere. It's impacted by coastal topography and Earth's gravitational pull and rotation. Over in Bangladesh, children dropped out of school at a rate of 17% in 2021 due to climate change-induced extreme weather ruining family incomes, according to UNICEF. As a result, children have to leave school and go to work to provide another source of income for the family. Children make up 40% of the country's population, and about 1.7 billion of them are working instead of going to school. This number could be much higher, as girls are usually left out of the accessible statistics. One in four working children is under the age of 11. This is another example of how climate change is already making lives worse around the world. Now for some climate victories. 
an interfaith coalition made up of the World Council of Churches, the Muslim Council of Elders, and the New York Board of Rabbis, has begun pressuring banks to quickly halt financing for fossil fuel companies and projects for the sake of the children and the living world. They recently penned a statement on the United Nations Environment Program page, asking banks to stop financial services and portfolio exposure to coal by 2030, specifically in Europe and the Organization of Economic Cooperation and Development, or OECD, which is made up of 38 member states, including the U.S., Canada, Australia, Japan, and Mexico. They request the rest of the world to follow suit by 2040. The Interfaith Coalition also wants all fossil fuel exploration to end after this year, especially the ones in the Arctic. The faith groups said they would, quote, review their pensions, banking, insurance, and other financial service arrangements to ensure evidence-based accountability in this regard. In Africa, the Ivory Coast aims to raise $1.5 billion to restore its forests and lands over a five-year period. It announced this goal at the beginning of a recent UN meeting on desertification. The country hopes restoration efforts will improve agriculture yield. The Ivory Coast is the world's top cocoa producer and has lost 80% of its forests between 1900 and 2021. It's at risk of losing all of its forests by 2050 at this rate. It's still unclear where the country plans to get $1.5 billion from, but the president suggested that $1 billion of it might come from the private sector. The Ivory Coast hopes to restore 3 million acres of forest by 2030 by planting drought-resistant plants and using tree-planting drones. In the U.S., California announced its plan to get 3 gigawatts of offshore wind by 2030 to help its goal of reaching 100% clean energy generation by 2045. 3 gigawatts is enough to power about 3 million homes. The California Energy Commission also plans to make an additional 7 to 12 gigawatts of offshore wind capacity by 2045. I almost missed this next one, but last week, New Mexico adopted a new clean car rule that will come into play starting July 1st. These standards exactly mirror the ones recently adopted in California, which combines increasing vehicle emission standards and requiring automakers to start increasing their supply of zero-carbon car models by 2026. New Mexico is the 18th state to follow California's lead on this and is expected to triple the number of zero-emissions cars and trucks on New Mexico roads in the next five years. Federally, the Department of Energy launched a $2.5 billion revolving fund to start the construction process of major transmission projects. Called the Transmission Facilitation Program, it will hopefully finally update the grid to make it easier to integrate renewable energy. The program's money will be used by the department to provide loans and have authority to purchase power takeoff capacity of new projects, which they will then sell to replenish the fund. It offers a second avenue for the federal capacity contracts besides the Power Marketing Administration, which has gotten the energy industry excited. President Biden has a goal for the U.S. to run on 100% clean energy by 2035 and a 50% cut in the economy's emissions by 2030. This step alone won't get us there, but it's a big step in the right direction. By the way, if you want the lowdown on how the Biden administration's environmental track record is going so far, the Washington Post recently laid it out. For the quick and dirty summary, Biden has so far added 47 new policies, proposed an additional 39, and has overturned 80 Trump-era policies. 
The administration still has its eye on another 91 to overturn and has chosen to leave 59 intact. All of my sources are linked below if you want to learn more. Continuing this topic of upgrading the grid, the bank JP Morgan led a $200 million investment in the startup Arcadia to grow its operations. Arcadia, which started in 2014, helps U.S. residents opt into being powered by clean energy by consensually looking at their utility bills to connect their households to clean energy options near them. Through this process, Arcadia has developed an elaborate data set of hundreds of electric utilities. With this new money and continuous customer permission, it will allow companies to use the data set, called the ARC, to customize their offerings. They're hoping access to better data will allow utility companies to decarbonize more efficiently. This investment is one of the first moves by J.P. Morgan's new sustainable private equity team, and it put Arcadia's value at $1.5 billion. Now for some climate fails. A report commissioned by the climate charity Possible found that only one of the 50 climate pledges made by the global aviation industry has been met on time. The study looked at every pledge made since the year 2000 and found that almost all were missed, revised, or ignored. The company researchers say this shows that the UK government should not allow the aviation industry to self-regulate like it plans to. It's estimated that 15% of the human population takes 70% of global flights, which is just crazy. Meanwhile, an environmental defense fund analysis shows that oil giants are cleaning up their own production by just selling especially dirty wells to buyers with looser climate goals. The largest energy companies in the world are expected to sell off $100 billion worth of oil fields and other polluting assets to clean up their portfolios. The buyers usually disclose little about their operations and might not even have climate pledges of their own. Already 3,000 oil and gas deals of this kind have been made from 2017 to 2021. The number of transactions that took fossil fuel assets from public to private ownership has been by far the largest percent of deals made, exceeding the number of private to public deals by 64%. This way, these assets will continue to pollute, maybe even more than before, away from the public eye. Some companies that have purchased the dirty assets include Indonesia's Pertamia, Qatar Energy, China's CNOOC, and Diversified Energy in the U.S., along with a handful of lesser-known companies. Diversified Energy has the vast majority of old wells that are leaking methane in the U.S. The Environmental Protection Agency estimates that each inactive unplugged well causes greenhouse gas emissions equivalent to about 17,000 to 50,000 miles driven by the average gasoline-powered passenger vehicle. And there are 1.6 million unplugged wells in the U.S. The infrastructure bill has allocated money to states to plug these wells, but it will take time and commitment to do so. And it doesn't help when the wells are changing hands and going private. Over in Mexico, flaring is getting worse. Flaring is when oil and gas companies burn off excess gas instead of harvesting it during oil and gas operations. Since President López Obrador took office in 2018, flaring has increased drastically, despite the country promising to halt routine flaring by 2030. The World Bank has called this trend, quote, increasingly worrying. Flaring has gone up despite oil operations going down. The worst oil fields for flaring are in the Paradis Itchachi field in Veracruz and La Venta in neighboring Tabasco. Both are operated by the state-run oil company Pemex. 
Here's one more climate victory to end on a high note. Europe's largest floating solar farm, about the size of four soccer fields, is about to go online in Portugal. This solar farm previously made the news for setting a world record low price for future output at $4.50 per megawatt for 15 years. The farm comprises 12,000 solar panels generating enough power to fill the needs of 1,500 homes. It also contains two gigawatt hours of battery storage. And that was your climate news for Wednesday, May 11th. If you like the work I do, please follow this podcast, give it a five-star rating, leave a review, and consider checking out the Beckosphere Climate Corner YouTube channel. Remember to talk about the climate crisis every single day and to support your local news organizations. Bye for now.